You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. I received a piece of work from the desk of Annabel Bishop, the chief economist at Investec in Johannesburg. And the headline is SA bond note. The pace of dissipation of inflation will be key to bond yields this year. Now, Annabel, there's a couple of things I need to say um, so you can shoot me down in your introduction. Uh, because to me, inflation in South Africa is dominated by three major factors. The level of the rand on the international exchange markets, domestic demand, and oil prices. Now, the RAND has been behaving itself, domestic demand is subdued, and oil has fallen quite sharply in the last um, uh, six, six to 12 months, I think. So inflation looks to be under control. So that's quite good, isn't it? It is, but um, it's global inflation that matters. So really, you know, what happens in the United States, what happens in terms of their pace or the quickness of the fall in inflation in the US, and therefore in turn, you know, when we see the terminal rate or the end rate of the interest rate hike cycle. So in other words, how quickly this year will the United States stop hiking interest rates? And in turn, then that will have an impact on the um, bond market in the United States, the US treasuries, and of course, in turn, also has an impact on on South Africa from our interest rate perspective, as well as, of course, from our bond market perspective. Now, you're quite right about, you know, inflation being um, heavily affected <laughs> by um, the oil price and, of course, you know, the other factors you mentioned. But, you know, there, there is a concern that when China reopens, a full reopening, that obviously would, you know, have an impact on commodity prices, particularly oil prices, could push it up quite a bit again. So I think, you know, we, we are sitting in a situation where there is still some uncertainty or risk, you know, that this is not a done deal that we're going to get a quick downward trajectory in inflation, although we are certainly hoping for that. Um, you know, we do forecast lower inflation this year globally and domestically, and we think there's a lot of room for an inflation surprise on the downside. Yes, I've been quite provocative in podcasts with other commentators, Annabelle, and I've sort of suggested that although it won't fall off a cliff, global inflation is going to fall uh, sharply. If you look at the natural gas price, for example, I mean, it, it really, I mean, it's, it's around about, I think, I think it's fallen around about 60% in, in, in a matter of three, four months. The oil price, as I've said earlier on, is uh, at relatively elevated levels, but not in the 120s and 130s that we got used to at one point after the Ukraine conflict. So I think that it's going to come down quite sharply. My question to you is how quickly or how slowly will central banks like the US Federal Reserve react to lower inflation? Will they be cautious? Will they get behind the curve again as they were when inflation was rising? What's your assessment? Well, you know, I think, um, and, and and just to sort of um, answer your question quickly and then sort of give my reasons, mm -hmm. we think that, you know, they do tend to be behind the curve. But, um, you know, we've been quite lucky with gas. Let's not forget that they're having the hottest January on record <laughs> in Europe and the Northern Hemisphere. And in fact, they've actually managed to, you know, get supplies under control. So, you know, there has been some uh, some good news on the uh, winter heating front and, of course, other um, fossil fuel usage. It could obviously have gone the other way if they had an exceptionally cold winter, for example. Now, of course, as well, we've also seen the dissipation in the oil price because of worries about global recession. Of course, now we've seen some data come out um, this week. I'm sure you saw it, Lindsay, you know, showing that the... Um, Europe, for example, is not perhaps not seeing as weak um, a recession or, you know, as severe a recession as perhaps was feared. So it could be quite a bit milder. And of course, as we talked about earlier, you know, China's reopening along with the United States, perhaps also not expected to see a very severe recession. All of those factors point to, you know, the risks for the oil price, the risks for fossil fuels. So, you know, I, I do think inflation will come down 
this year because of the base effects from last year. It was high last year. It will come down this year. It's coming down quicker than expected already in Europe, for example. We saw the CPI print below 10% as opposed to above it most recently. And, you know, I think these central banks are going to be cautious. You know, inflation is always expected to fall this year. It may even fall quicker than they thought. But in Europe, they are worried about salary and wage increases. You know, this, this ECB put out a um, comment recently and they said that they are concerned the next few quarters could see quite a bit of growth in um, wages, which could slow the inflation trajectory down. We may find ourselves in a situation where there's some differentiation around the world in terms of how quickly inflation does come off. For the US, however, which is obviously key to our discussion, that they do tend to be more ahead of other central banks in terms of their reactions. And we do need to have remember that they want inflation down at 2%. You know, so the, um, the fact that inflation is still quite removed from that is concerning and, you know, probably leads to the reason why the expectations will probably continue to see some interest rate hikes in the U.S., certainly in the first quarter of this year, maybe even the second. Although, you know, the, the FOMC has obviously put out their dot plot projections showing that there's now some possibility of cuts in the second half of the year. So actually, you know, a fair amount of volatility and uncertainty still. Very much. There's so many different views. I mean, the World Bank came out, I think it was yesterday, with their projections for emerging market growth or non-growth and also developed world growth and they are almost predicting that there'll be a slowdown stroke recession that's the one thing but then you get jobs numbers out of the united states which are still very very impressive and yet people are still talking about a recession i've never seen a recession where jobs grow i don't know how, how you feel about that i think that's right lindsay um there's also the way, different ways of defining a recession. You know, for the United States, for example, they don't see a recession as only a contraction in GDP, which they've actually had for two quarters of, from a technical perspective. You know, they, they do factor in the jobs market as well. Now, you know, for example, in South Africa, if we have two quarters of contraction in GDP, we say, ah, oh, we're in a technical recession. There is that point. And I think, you know, the federal bank members of the FOMC committee, but also um, some of the other governors of the different federal banks in the states in America, they actually do talk about the need for higher interest rates, despite, um, you know, some moderation in economic activity. And of course, you know, the concern that they have that the labor market is still tight and they do see the need for interest rates, you know, the Fed funds target rate to go over above, uh, over 5%. So, you know, we're sitting in a situation where the hawkishness has not come out of the communication yet for the Reserve Bank. But to, um, you know, look at what you were saying earlier, I do believe we're going to see a recession this year, particularly led by advanced economies. And of course, you know, what we're really talking about here is how severe or mild it will be. You know, the expectation is that there will be one uh, globally, but, you know, it's, it might be proved milder than feared. Of course, you know, for the emerging markets, they're not expected to see as severe an impact as some of the advanced economies. But, you know, overall, really um, from a um, measurement perspective, I think, you know, that you are going to find differences in terms of severity in different um, advanced economies. And of course, as well, you know, as you were saying, um, you know, differences in terms of labour markets, they're still quite tight. Despite your eloquent analysis, I'm still a little bit confused about what might happen in the United States of America. But let's come back to South Africa if we can now. Because the data that's come out. <laughs> I think you know. I think you're not alone. I think you know. If you look at Jerome Powell, the uh, chairman of the um, Federal Reserve Bank, he himself says that while they've got this expectation from their members that you know the interest rates would rise above five percent, no one knows what's going to happen in the next few months, and he actually cautions against 
putting too much emphasis on the dot plot chart. And that, of course, is coming from the you know head of the, of the FOMC itself. So, so I think you're quite right. No one actually knows exactly what's going to turn out, turn out to be the situation. No, no. Let's come back to South Africa now. Uh, South African data has been uh, underwhelming recently. We had manufacturing production recently. I think it fell 1.1% year on year, not too dramatic and entirely predictable. Mining production fell very sharply indeed. What is your assessment of the South African economy at the moment? And then we'll bring it back to what the bond market might do. Well, I think, you know, Lindsay, this is the concern that, that we're really mired deep in load shedding, but um, we've also, of course, have other issues as well that negatively afflict us on the infrastructure front. And of course, that includes the insufficient capacity on South Africa's rail and ports, difficulty of bulk commodity exports. Of course, that has a negative impact on the mining sector. The... Um, Concerns and of course, you know, therefore, you know, has impact on all exports. The concern as we go ahead is that you know we we're seeing um, little in the way of any relief from the load shedding perspective. We're now being told it's going to be permanent, and of course, you know, we do know that there was application for car power from the car power ships um, last year. It turned down by the environmental department. I think of forestry, fisheries, and environment. But but the point is that um, the application uh, was not seen to be complete, and they're now going to. We apply the car power application and they will look at it again before the end of March. So it does seem as though the first quarter is not going to see any respite from load shedding either. We move into the second quarter, you know, as, as the months get colder in South Africa. And of course, you know, the third quarter, and that's going to be a big worry in the winter period as well. I think there's concern we'll probably move to stage eight load shedding if something's not done to immediately sort out the situation. Of course, we know we are seeing still difficulties coming from government in terms of private sector participation, private sector power um, provision, legislative difficulties. We obviously haven't seen the cabinet reshuffle come through after the ANC elective conference. Um, Paul Matashili, who's now the deputy president of the ANC, is expected to obviously replace um, David Mabuza as a deputy um, president of South Africa. And of course, you know, he is, Paul Matashili is seen as someone who is a strong implementer, someone who could make inroads on these infrastructure deficits that I was talking about. But of course, it's unlikely to be quick or to solve the solution. South Africa, obviously, already, as you mentioned in the data, seeing effects coming through. Um, and of course, as well, you know, we did see a bit of moderation in global demand as well. Let's not forget the global economy weakened. There was a general slowdown in the fourth quarter of last year. And of course, data reflecting this, the PMI is particularly weak from a global perspective. They're now below 50. Yes. The South African 10-year bond yield, as I look on my screen at um, almost lunchtime on Wednesday, 9.845%. I seem to remember you know, during my break that the South African tenure went to something like 11.22 or 11.23%, which is obviously ridiculous and in reaction to international markets. But it was quite an extraordinary level. And and even 9.85%, let's call it, is still fairly attractive, I would have thought, to certain brave international investors. Is that the way you see it? Well, you know, we're seeing those brave international investors purchasing South Africa bonds this year to date. Look, I mean, the year's short. There's only about a few days' worth of data, but foreigners are net purchases of South African bonds this year. Um, it's been about $3 billion for the five um, recorded days, and I would imagine it's not going to be greatly different from that if you add a next day as well. Look, I think we're finding ourselves in a situation where there is that risk-taking you mentioned at the start of this year, and of course, obviously, built upon the fact that the U.S. saw a slowdown in its interest rate 
rate hikes in uh, December, partly. You know, they moved from a 75 basis to 50 basis point hike. The Reserve Bank, incidentally, probably likely to re- replicate the 50 basis point hike this month. But, of course, as we move into a slowing trajectory, you know, the Fed Fund Futures, for example, are looking at only a 25 basis point hike at the next Federal Reserve Bank meeting, which is on the 1st of February. So that slowdown interest rate hikes that markets are starting to anticipate, I think, is also starting to come into the bond markets. You're seeing a bit of improvement in terms of sentiment, a bit of risk-taking, as you said, into the um, emerging markets, South Africa, this year so far. Of course, as well, we talked earlier about inflation expected to come down, and that also has a positive impact on bond markets. Look, there's still uncertainty, and you know the RAND is still elevated. It's still undervalued. And of course, bond yields are still fairly high. Um, They did rise over the past year by just over 1%, but the US actually saw a significantly higher increase in its benchmark or 10-year treasury. And of course, you know, that that increase um, really was, you know, closer to about um, 200 basis points, 240 to be exact. So, you know, of course, you know, there is still that difference. I think it's explained by the fact that South Africa's risk, country risk elevated quite significantly over COVID, worries about government finances, and, you know, obviously, bond yields then saw an elevation. They haven't come back a lot. The good news, however, Lindsay, is that we are seeing the differential between the five and 10-year bonds unwind. And that obviously means five-year bond yields are getting quite a bit lower. There was worry in the markets that South Africa's government finances were unsustainable, that we might be heading to a very difficult situation, even eventually a default. And of course, that was mirrored by the continuous downward credit rating um, moves that we saw. Of course, that's now stabilized. We're seeing a very good finance minister or minister and Enoch Gondwana, the minister himself. And of course, you know, that obviously has resulted in some stabilization in the credit ratings, a few positive outlooks, which could imply uh, credit rating upgrades going forwards. The government finances themselves overall seem to have halted the deterioration and are starting to look to improve. So I think that's also being reflected in your, um, you know, five-year yield space. And of course, you know, that is a positive. And of course, you know, we would obviously eventually wait to see if we do see the cut in borrowing that will um, announced in MTBPS because, you know, bond yield holders, investors would like to see that happen. New investors would then be inspired to invest further. So there's that possibility for a better outturn this year for the bond market, certainly than last year. But of course, you know, a lot does depend on the global factors we mentioned, the macroeconomic factors, and of course, as well, investor sentiment as a consequence of that. You know, we would like to go into a more risk-taking environment as opposed to, you know, risk aversion, which we really saw from April last year in general. What a noisy new year we've had and it's only January the 11th. Annabel, as always, thank you very much for your analysis. Annabel Bishop is the Chief Economist at Investec in Johannesburg. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.